This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Amen. God bless you. Grab a seat. I have been for several months praying, thinking, and, and really trying to process how do we launch this year in a way that sets you up, sets me up, to live the life God created us to live. There's, there's something about January. Whether you do New Year's resolutions or not, there's something about the possibilities, the hope. And some people in a large way and some people in a small way think, man, this year I want, I want my life to be better. I want my health to be better. I want my relationships to be better. I want my finances to be better. If you're not feeling that one yet, wait about another week. When the credit card bills from December hit, you'll be feeling it. There's something about, hey, can this year be better? And here's what I can tell you. Your life is perfectly designed to get the results you're currently getting. And one of the things that I've noticed One of the things over the years that's been true in my life, it's been true in the lives of people I know, one of the things that can hinder before you even get started in a new year and you even start trying to build momentum and improving in certain areas, one of the things that I've seen hinder more people and disrupt what God could do is so often we move into a new year thinking in old patterns. And a lot of you You hold on to what happened last year, the year before, the decade before, and a lot of the pain you felt, a lot of the things you've been through, you you drag that with you into every new year, and you feel it and process it and focus on it more than what God could do this year. The most important words, the most powerful words you will ever say are the ones you say to yourself. And some of you have developed a pattern of creating a less than life because of your less than words. Because of what's happened in your history, you find it hard to believe that this year is going to be any different. So you sort of hope, and maybe, but here's what we all know. Better doesn't happen by accident. I've never met anybody that said, you know what? I was just doing the same things I've always done, and life got better. I I was functioning the same selfish way in my marriage that I always have, and I woke up one day, and my marriage was just better. It doesn't accidentally happen. And what's fascinating to me, the Apostle Paul, the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul, writes this letter to the church at Philippi, and here's what he says. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Or are you forgetting what can be ahead? and straining toward what is behind. That word forgetting in its context in this passage does not mean somehow you have erased from your memory what is behind. It doesn't mean things have not been painful. It doesn't mean that you've not had to live the the challenges and I've not had to live the challenges and consequences of poor decisions sometimes. The reality of I decided this, I did this, I said this, and now I'm dealing with the fallout of that. It doesn't mean that all of that is just, oh, I'm never going to think about it again. It's gone. In the context, in the language, what it literally means, forgetting what is behind, it means it is not my focus. 
my thoughts will not be consumed by what happened in the past because even God understands I cannot go back in time. So it's real. It helped to shape me. It helped to inform me. I learned some things about myself, but my focus will not be things I cannot change or a past I cannot return to. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And then in the Old Testament, Isaiah, the Spirit of God says this through Isaiah, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Some of you, that's all you needed today. Like you can get up and go home. Do not dwell on the past. Stop it. It is not helpful. Now you can't control and I cannot control a thought that pops in our mind, but you and I can control how long it stays there. And Isaiah, the prophet, is saying very clearly, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. What? What if God could do a new thing? What if this year doesn't have to be like last year or the year before? What if the decade starting now doesn't have to be like the past decade? What if there are some things that have happened that do not have to repeat themselves? Because the reality is we cannot live a new life thinking in old patterns. And there are really two paths in life. There are people who live frustrated lives, and there are people who live fulfilled lives. Frustrated or fulfilled, which one are you? And what's the difference? What makes the difference in a frustrated life or a fulfilled life? There are some people we know who have great relationships. They live in financial freedom. They get the most out of every day and live meaningful days. They love life. They love people. And then there are others who struggle in their relationships. They have a history of one bad relationship after another. They live in constant financial stress. Their days are mundane. They they live looking forward to the next holiday or vacation or event on the calendar. And they just try to get through the days until they're at that moment. They tolerate life. What what makes the difference? What is the distinction between people who live frustrated lives and people who live fulfilled lives? It's not IQ. It's not skill set. It's not even looks. We've all seen attractive people who have a history and a trail of failed relationships. We've known smart people who can't figure out how to be happy. We've seen talented people waste opportunities. So it's none of those things. The things that we chase, the things that we think, if I was just a little bit smarter, if I learn more, or if I, if I could go have a few procedures and maybe look a little better or different, if I could somehow increase my skills in certain areas, then I would achieve. No, 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 no. None of those. What makes the difference? And you living 2023 frustrated or fulfilled? It's one thing. In fact, this one thing is one word, and it's the word decisions. The quality of your decisions will determine the quality of your life. And we know that truth, but it's much harder to live that truth because we are, we are terrible decision makers sometimes. I don't know about you, but I have a propensity. I have a PhD in making stupid decisions if I'm not careful. And it started back when I was a kid. I remember, I've shared this before once, I think, but for those of you that are new or those of you that want to pretend like you're hearing it for the first time, years ago, I was about six years old, 
And my dad, I had done something. I don't remember what I did. My dad said, okay, you're grounded. You can't ride your bike. I was like, yes, sir. Because I grew up in Texas. And you say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, or you die. And, and so I said, yes, sir. So he went in the backyard to do so. He was working on something. And I went out, having just had this conversation, I went out and got on my yellow bicycle and started riding in the driveway. I don't remember how much time passed by, but my dad came to the front door. He opened it. And my dad, I'd never heard my dad yell. Never in my life. But he had a look that would scare the junk out of you. Still, he's almost 80 years old, and if he looks at me that way, I'm like, okay, what, what, okay. He came to the front door, gave me that look, and he went like that. We walked into my room, we sat down, and anytime I did something wrong, I mean, my, my dad was not a, uh, he didn't believe in timeout, he believed in knockout, but before that would happen, that's back when kids behaved. Remember, you took care of stuff. But before that happened, he would sit there and talk to you for a second, and he said, son, I thought I told you not to ride your bike. I said, yes, sir. He said, you were just riding your bike. And I said, no, sir. <laughs> he said, son, I saw you riding your bike. And I, being the genius I was at six years old, said, let me explain something to you, dad. <laughs> to be riding your bike, you have to be in the road. I was on the driveway. That's not riding your bike. And I will tell you, like, if, if you're thinking, oh, that's good. I need to use that sometime. It did not work. And I'll spare you the rest of the story because we're in church. But that did not go well. But I, I've always had this propensity. If I'm not careful, I will make stupid decisions. And so do a lot of us. In 2022, a lot of you, you ate more than you should have. You bought things you couldn't afford. You said things you shouldn't have said. And a lot of us hurt people that we deeply love. We know a lot of right and wise stuff. We often just don't implement what we know into our day-to-day -day decisions. Why are we so bad at making good decisions? How is it that you can look at somebody who, who's like, oh, man, I just, I just can't find somebody. I just can't find the right person. Well, no, the last five you picked all have the same qualities. You're the common denominator. You're making stupid decisions. And why, why do we know that but not live that? How do we miss it? Why are we so bad at this? I think there are a few reasons. I think the first reason is we have too many options. We have too many options. There's research that shows that the average person in one day makes about 35,000 decisions. You think about it. In fact, so many decisions we kind of make on autopilot, but we're making decisions all day long. It's unending what to wear, what to eat, when to eat when to sleep, how long to sleep, what to say, what to watch. And cognitive scientists have coined the term decision fatigue. We get decision fatigue. It, it literally means as the number of decisions increase throughout the day, the quality of decisions decreases. We get weary of making decisions. Sometimes you have a great streak going in your life. You're, you're killing it making choices, and then it happens. You make some tough calls at the office, calls that will really benefit the company and benefit the employees long-term, but they're painful in the moment. You've made some wise but tough decisions. Then you come home, and that night, you eat everything in sight. You got tired of making good decisions. You reached a point of exhaustion mentally and emotionally. 
Or for two months, you've made solid financial choices. You're paying off some debt. You're putting some money aside in savings. You're doing what you need to do. And then after two months, all of a sudden, you see that ad, that ad online. It just pop, That ad, and you think, I got to have that. My life is not complete without that. And you make an impulse purchase and erase all the gains you've made for two months because you got decision fatigue. We have too many options. When I was a kid growing up, if my dad wanted to change the channel on the TV, I was the remote. There was no remote. Go change the channel. Click, click, click. We only had like three channels. But now, listen, we have, so, we have hundreds of channels, but nothing to watch. We have closets filled with clothes, but nothing to wear. We have refrigerators full of food, but nothing to eat. Because we have all of these options, it locks up our brain and we fall in decision fatigue. We're also bad at making good decisions because we don't want to make a bad choice. Especially if you're a Christ follower. Man, I, I don't want to make a choice or a decision that, that will put me in a place where God can't bless me or will take me out of the will of God. God has a plan for my life. And, and so sometimes... We don't want to make a bad choice, and it causes us to pause. There's this pressure to go to the perfect school, to take the right job, to, to buy the right house, to marry the right person. And often we become paralyzed in the fear of choosing wrong. Do you know anyone who has a hard time just making a flipping decision? Just, just make, Don't jab them. Don't point at them. Don't look, at, look ahead. Sir, lunch is going to go bad if you look at her right now. Ma'am, you don't want to do that. He's going to get embarrassed. But we, we get stuck so we don't decide. But did you know not deciding is deciding? We've all known people who seem like they're treading water in life. A lot of movement, but no progress. And they just have a hard time making decisions. But it's decisions that give birth to progress. No decision, no progress. We have too many options, and we don't want to make a bad choice. But the third reason that I think we, we often make such poor decisions and struggle with making good decisions, we let our feelings speak louder than our faith. We are so driven by what we feel. I, I feel like this is right. I feel like this is good. I feel like for me right now, one, one of the... I mean, let's just be honest. We're in church, so we need to, so lightning doesn't strike one of the stupidest things I've ever heard, this is just my truth. Like, what are you talking about? There is truth and there is not truth. You don't corner the market like just, oh, this is my truth. Stop it. Stop it. Truth is truth. That's it. There is no your truth and somebody else has a different version and that's their truth. No, that, 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 there are other names for that. They're clinical. But the reality is there is the truth. And we let our feelings drive what we do. Oh, I'm just... I'm just going to follow my heart. Well, last time you did that, you crashed. Follow your heart? The Bible says our hearts are deceitful and wicked. Who can know them? I don't need to follow my heart. I need to follow Jesus. I don't need to pay attention to what I want because you know what I've noticed? You know what I've noticed? What I want tends to change. What I wanted in my 20s is very different than what I want now. You're thinking in your 30s? Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I want, I mean, you, you have certain dreams and ambitions and things you want to do and what you believe. What I believe about things in some ways has changed. 
And change, change is something we should learn to celebrate. We should learn not to bash somebody for what they used to think, but celebrate the growth and how they're growing and how they're increasing in knowledge and growing more like Jesus and adapting to what the Word of God says. And so as we grow older, we change. But one of the things that hinders that is when we let feelings speak louder than our faith. And we spend a lot of time stuck in the maze of analyzing. Some of you, you will spend more time trying to analyze and figure out the next show you're going to binge than actually watching the show. We analyze, we analyze the junk out of some decisions that just really don't matter that much. And then we just let our feelings drive us into decisions that are significant and extremely important in our lives. You get upset with your kids. Are you going to listen to feelings or faith? Faith says, be patient. Your feelings say, yell. Or some temptation hits you. And your faith says, this is unwise. But your feelings say, you deserve this. Just one time. It's not going to hurt anything. You, you deserve this. But the decisions we make that are driven by our feelings are often the most harmful and the most hurtful. The decisions we make that are driven by our feelings often not only hurt us the most, but they hurt the people that we love the most. It's never beneficial to make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings because your feelings will change. And the quality of our decisions determines the quality of our lives. So one of the most helpful ways to abandon unhelpful behaviors, one of the most helpful ways to forget the past, one of the most helpful ways... To, to live moving forward with the momentum God wants in your life this year, one of the most helpful ways of living loving God and loving others is to decide today for tomorrow. Did you know there are some decisions you and I can make today that we don't have to consider again? They're made for life. We need to decide today for tomorrow. The most powerful and freeing decisions you can make are the ones you make today for all of your tomorrows. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So God, I want to honor you. I want to live my life consistent with your word. I want to live my life in a way that pleases you and brings glory to you. I don't want to live my life in a way that is selfish. I want to live loving you and loving others. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And establish your plans literally means he will put in place, he will build, he will set up. And he will do for you and for me what we cannot do for ourselves. We've got to decide what we'll do before the moment comes through. So I've got to decide when I really, when I really want to make that impulse purchase. Anytime I want to make an impulse purchase, anytime I, I see something, it's like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. And it's technology, so I'll have to get my grandkids to explain it to me, but it looks like it's amazing. Anytime I, I, I feel the need, I want to make an impulse purchase, wait three days. Just pause. You don't have to have it today. The world's not going to end. They're going to tell you there aren't that many left, but you'll get it eventually. Shipping delays, maybe two years, but you'll, you'll get it. It's going to be all right. But just wait three days. If you still feel the same way, and you've looked at the budget and it works, and you've talked to your, ball, I mean your bride, then, and everybody's on the same page, then you can make that purchase. Years ago, we lived in Missouri, and I was going to school there, and Angie and Kaylee, Kaylee, our oldest daughter, she was a baby at the time, they flew to Florida to see family, and a buddy of mine, we, we went to the store, 
And I, I found out, do you remember, now some of you are old enough to remember this, Pioneer Stereo Systems used to be in a case about this big. And there was a speaker on each side almost that big. And I found out I could buy this stereo that if I played music in Missouri, Angie would hear it in Florida, I could buy this stereo for only $54 a month if I got a store credit card. And then I found out I could add this latest state-of-the-art TV to the purchase for only like 30 bucks a month more. And then I found out you could also add the best, top of the line at that moment, VCR. Y'all don't know what that is. You can Google it later. VCR and included in that purchase. And, and I, I did it, man. I hit a technology gold mine, an entertainment gold mine, took all that stuff home, and I put all of that, thousands of dollars worth of stuff, into our 18-year-old mobile home with tires on the roof so it wouldn't blow off. I was brilliant. And then Angie came home. And, and we had a meeting. I'll spare you the details, but it's uncomfortable to talk about. But <laughs> the reality is... Listen, especially in a marriage, man, don't make a purchase your spouse isn't in, 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 in agreement with. Wait, don't, don't make that impulse buy that you got to later explain or try to lie about. That doesn't go well either. J- just, just wait three days. When I'm tempted to worry, I'm not going to talk to other people about it because they can't really help me. I'm not going to just talk to myself about it. When I'm tempted to worry, I'm going to talk to God about it. He says, hey, cast all your burdens on me. Bring it to me. We're invited. Here's the beauty. We have a God who invites us to call him Father and says, hey, you can come into my throne room with boldness anytime you want. You can interrupt me anytime you want. You bring your cares, you bring your concerns to me, and I will take care of it. So when I'm tempted to worry, I'm going to talk to God about it. When I'm cut off on the 408, I'm going to decide ahead of time, if I get cut off on the 408, I'm going to pray they're going to heaven. I'm not going to tell them to go to hell. I'm not going to call them number one. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to decide ahead of time so that when it happens, I don't have to make a decision. And the pattern of deciding ahead of time, the pattern of a decision today that informs all of my tomorrows, it's a biblical pattern. Daniel is captured. He's taken captive. He and some friends by a foreign government taken to their land. He's indoctrinated. They try to brainwash him. They say, hey, you've got to be educated the way our people are educated. You've got to dress the way our people dress. You've got to eat the way our people eat. But for Daniel, he knew that was not something that would honor God. So Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Daniel resolved. He decided ahead of time. He did not wait until he sat down at the dining table to decide, am I going to eat this or not? He did not go to the freezer and open it and see the bluebell homemade vanilla from heaven ice cream and think, what am I going to do? He already decided ahead of time. Why? His values determined his actions. So I need to ask you a question. As we stand at the beginning of a new year, the whole year ahead of us, you can write the script of this year, hopefully with God's help, It can be, I literally believe this for every single person in this room, it can be the best year you've lived so far. But here's a question you've got to ask and answer. What do you value? What do you truly value? Some of you would say, well, I I value kindness. Maybe you grew up in a home that wasn't very kind. Or maybe you grew up in a home that was kind and and you want to continue that. It's contagious and you want to build that and make sure it continues to be the legacy of your family. I I value kindness. Well, if you value kindness, you're going to decide ahead of time to be kind to everybody, not just to be kind to kind people. 
being kind to kind people is easy. Being kind to the person that you work with that is unkind and difficult, that's hard. But if your value, if in your heart the values God put in your heart, what you believe to be important in life is, man, I want to be kind, then you make that decision ahead of time. So every time when this circumstance happened, I will act in this way. It's decided. You don't have to give any more mental or emotional energy to it. It is in place. Some of you would say, I want to be generous. Man, I really do. The older I get, the higher value it is in my life to live a life of generosity. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. The essence of God is generosity. And you're never more like God than when you give and when you're generous. Man, I want to live like that. So I want to look for opportunities to be generous. That value informs my decisions. Some of you say, man, I, I value integrity. Then that's going to inform what you decide when people are watching and when they're not. I value my family. Well, that's going to determine how much time I spend with them and how much time I don't spend with them and what I do when I'm with them and what I do when I'm not with them. I value value my family. Part of the disruption in our culture is we have values we can state, but we live inconsistent with what we say our values are. I'm a Christ follower, but we don't really follow his teachings. I'm a Christ follower means I'm going to heaven when this life's over. I'm good. God's forgiven my sin, but I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to live the way God says live. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. When you allow your values to inform the decisions you make, and you determine, man, who do I want to be? What do I want people to say about me when they talk about me? How do I want my family to remember me? What are the things that are going to be at the core of who I am? And they will not just accidentally morph into being if you don't do something about what you say you believe. So what are your values? And then once you determine those values, your decisions are easier. You make decisions consistent with your values. Because because the decisions we make are not isolated. You cannot make a decision that exists on an island away from all your other decisions or other areas of your life. Every decision we make is interconnected with the other decisions, and together they paint the picture of who we are. Our decisions determine our direction, and our direction determines our destiny. So here's here's another question. First Sunday, we're meeting in a brand new year. Man, I, I hope you will honestly think about this question this week. And really take the time. You you owe it to yourself to dig in and answer this question. If your life is moving in the direction of your decisions, do you like the direction your decisions are taking you? If your life is moving in the direction of your decisions, do you like the direction your decisions are taking you? If not... You've got to change your decisions or your life won't change. If you're part of C3, you've heard me say this many times. If you're new to C3, this is something I say all the time, something I believe fully in my soul. The biblical pattern for success is consistency. The biblical pattern for success is consistency. I'm not a New Year's resolution kind of guy. If you are, that's awesome, but that's just not something I do. In my life, for about the past decade, what I've done, I I don't do New Year's resolutions because I don't like lying to myself. And and so what I do is I pick a word. 
And I really try to spend time praying and thinking and saying, okay, God, what's the word? This year, I want to focus on this word. And throughout the year, I really try to bring whatever the word is to every area of my life. And the hope is over 10 years, there are 10 different areas of my life that have improved. See, part, part of what we tend to do, we overestimate what we can do in the short term, and we underestimate what we can do in the long term. And you need to use building blocks in your life. So this year, what's my word? And we were in Texas with the kids over the holidays, and a couple of my kids said, hey, what's your word this year? And I didn't know. And it's, there's never been a January 1st in the last decade that I've hit that I didn't already know the word. I don't just pick an arbitrary word. I don't just think, oh, that's a cool word. I want that. I really try to pray and say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? What is an area that I need to work on, an area that I need to grow, an area that I need to improve? And then a couple of days ago, it hit me. And it's just one of those things that inside me, I have, there's that click. I just know, okay, that's it. This year, the word for me is consistency. I want to be more consistent in my relationship with Jesus. I don't know about you, but there are times I can be inconsistent. I want to be more consistent as a person, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather. I want to be consistent in, in leading you in a way that honors God. I, I want to bring consistency, more consistency to my life. The biblical pattern for success has always been consistency, and we know that. I, I, I look at my own life. For a long time, I would go to the gym two days a week or two days a month. And a few months ago, I said, you know what? I'm going to be consistent. And I changed some things, and I, I lost the triplets. I've lost about 50 pounds, and I got a long way to go. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And listen, listen, listen. I'm not bragging at all. I'm just explaining to you that without consistency, it would not have happened. In my life, it has been consistency. <laughs> when we were in Texas, I went to the gym every day. Met some new friends, met a couple weirdos, but I, I, I went to the gym every day. Consistency, you think about it, we know this. It's January. If you go to a gym right now, it's slammed. Give it a couple weeks. There are people that have gym memberships. Oh, I go to the gym. They hadn't seen you in eight months. There's a wanted picture in the bathrooms, your face on it. Like, nobody's even seen you. But somehow, oh, I, I got a gym membership. But you don't go. You don't put into use what you have. Kind of like church. I'm a part of C3. How often are you here? I got the membership. I'm a part. I'm a Christ follower. How many days do you begin spending time with God? The biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. I've said that so many times. Here's what I've never said, but is equally true. The biblical pattern for failure is consistency. If you're consistently unforgiving, if you're consistently reactionary, if you're consistently impulsive, if you're consistently selfish, you will live that kind of life. So if the biblical pattern for success is consistency and the biblical pattern for failure is consistency, th th then what do I need to do to make sure I'm living the life God created me to live? We point our consistency in the direction of Matthew 6.33, the words of Jesus, and at the beginning of a year, man, some of you, this is going to sink in. You're going to grab it. You're going to live the best year of your life. Some of you, man, don't discount this. Word of God, Jesus speaking, this is powerful. Point your consistency in this direction, Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things we chase... I want a great marriage. I want a peaceful life. I want financial freedom. I want to be a good friend and have good friends. 
I want to make a difference in the world. We get one shot at this. I just don't want to roll through life and just live an average life. We have an opportunity. Jesus said, I came to give you life to the full. How do I grab that? How do I achieve that? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This year, I want to be consistent in seeking God first. I want to make sure God is in first place day by day. I want to make sure God is in first place in my life, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my grandparenting, in my friendships, in my finances, in the vision for the church and leading the church. I want to make sure I'm seeking God first. And when I do that, he takes care of everything else. But consistency is not perfection. You can't be perfect and neither can I. Consistency literally has nothing to do with perfection. You're going to mess up and so am I. But part of this tenacious consistency, if I'm seeking God first, then I have a level of understanding. I don't think we can fully appreciate the value of it, but a level of understanding of God loves me, he's forgiven me. So on the days that I blow it, I want to consistently get back up quicker. I don't want to write off the year because I've already blown it in some area. I don't want to write off, you have an argument in your marriage. Well, this day's ruined. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. You get to decide. I want to consistently pour my life into seeking God and putting him first. I want to get back up when I'm knocked down or when I knock myself down. Because the the person, I don't know about you, but the person in my life that has caused me the most harm is the guy that I see in the mirror every day. Man, I want to be able to get back up and trust God and move forward. Also, one of the things I'm doing consistently in putting God first and in trying trying to be better in this year, it's the principle of one more. Ed Milet's written a book about it, incredible story about his father who was an alcoholic. He grew up in a horrible family, horrible atmosphere, and then all of a sudden one day his dad turned his life around. And he said, he asked his dad, are you going to be sober the rest of your life? And his dad said, I don't know, but I'm going to be sober one more day. You need to understand the power of consistently bringing one more into your day. I'm going to show kindness one more time. I'm going to forgive one more time. I'm not going to worry about three months from now. I'm going to be gracious one more time. I'm going to extend grace where I can one more time. I want to do, when I go to the gym, when I go to the gym and I love lifting weights, I've gotten back into that. Several people, Dan, Marcus have helped me with that. They're way smarter than me. And listen, I, I, I have muscles I didn't even know I had. But one of the things I'm doing, if we're doing a set of 10, I do 11. We're doing a set of eight, eight reps. I do nine. I want to bring one more because if I bring one more, do you realize how many more reps I'm going to do in a month than you do? Do you realize how many more I'm going to do in a year than you do? Well, in a greater way, our physical lives are important. Spiritual is much more important. Hey, a lot of people, they're not going to forgive one more time. They're not going to be kind one more time. I'm not competing against them. I just, I don't want an average life. I don't want an average marriage. I don't want to be an average husband or father. I don't want to be an average friend. I don't want to be an average pastor. I want to go one more every single time and allow that cumulative effect of positively putting God first in those areas and going further than I've been willing to go before, allow God to use that in my life one more time. Seek first his kingdom. Do you do that? Man, I want to put God first every day. So he's going to take up the first part of my day. Before I do anything else, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with him. 
not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christ follower. I want to put God first at the beginning of every week. I want to make sure I'm with you hanging out here and kicking off the week in a way that, man, God, I want to hear from you. I want to make sure that in my opportunities, I put God first, seek first his kingdom, and all these things. God says, a God who's never lied will be added to you as well. So some of you, as we begin 2023, you need to take your life back. Or some of you need to step into a life you've never had because you've let the past or history or what you've said about you define you more than what God says about you. God says you are deeply loved and there's no one on planet earth that he loves more than you. God says he has a plan for your life. God offers his spirit to live with you and to help you and I navigate day by day the decisions we need to make. God has a purpose, a plan, and a design for your life that would blow your mind if you could see it all. And one of the greatest tragedies is to miss it because I don't seek him first. Point consistency in your life in the direction of putting God first. And that will allow you to make some decisions today that will inform all of your tomorrows and it will set you up to live the best year you've ever lived. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for the reality of your love. And God, sometimes I know in my life, probably for a lot of us, sometimes it's so hard to imagine that you love us because we know us. And yet, your love is not limited. Your love is not hindered by our behavior or our patterns. The life we could be living often is. But you want so much more for us. So I pray that as we roll through this year, we would think about our values. They would inform our decisions. And we would make some once and for all decisions that inform the rest of our lives because we're going to seek you first this year. We're going to put you first in every area of our lives and we're going to let you take care of everything else. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and the step that you need to take at the beginning of this brand new year is you need to put God first in your life. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to say yes to God's offer of knowing him in a personal way. Something made possible by the death, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus, God's only son, because of his deep love for you. You're not here by accident. And it's not important that I'm here. What's important is what God wants to say to your heart. And if you've never given your life to Christ, he wants you to know he loves you. He wants you to know you can come to him just like you are. And he won't leave you that way. He'll take you where you'd like to be. He'll forgive your sins and give you a home in heaven and give, give you his spirit to live inside you and to help you make all the decisions you and I need to make in life. Your hope, my hope, our only hope is Jesus and who he is and what he offers. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'd like to take that step, you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior, my Lord, my God, my king, come into my life, forgive my sin. I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. I'll lead you in the prayer. You can pray it out loud 
or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. The Bible says in Matthew 6 that Jesus knows even our thoughts. Just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. Thank you so much for loving me. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.